Everybody wants to invest, but the real question is, are you willing to invest in yourself? And there's some characteristics of an investor that's different from investing. Investing is like the one-time act, but being an investor is about who you are at the core. And I want to talk to you about some of those characteristics. Let's dive into the episode. You're listening to the Money, Markets, and Mindset Podcast where it's all about learning how to have your money work hard for you instead of you working hard for it. And now your host, stock market coach and options trader, Jason Brown. All right. Welcome to the Money Markets and Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Brown. And at the time that we're recording this, we're doing something different. We're actually live streaming it to Instagram. So if you're not following me on Instagram, uh, feel free to jump on there and follow at Brown Report. So that's the at symbol and then the word Brown, the word report. And then uh, you can get these behind the scenes type of um, view uh, before the episode comes out and different things like that. So let's 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 talk about it today. I want to ask you a question um, to all the listeners out there. Are you an investor or are you investing? Right. And so there's a big difference between the two. And I believe most people try to combine them. So I want to break those down and I want to walk you through some characteristics of an investor. But let's first talk about the difference between the two. So if you're investing, that's like the act of doing something, the act of putting you know capital to work. And typically once that investment, once that uh, opportunity is over with, you're kind of done. Like I, I invested in this real estate project. It's built, it's done. I, I got my money and, and I'm finished. But the difference when you think about an investor is not just the physical uh, item or business that they're investing in. It's all about their mindset. It's all about taking calculated risks it's 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 not necessarily tied to one tip one particular project and so i wanted to share this stuff with you today because i look at myself as an investor right so i look at myself at what i do in the stock market is just one phase of investing but i personally am an investor so let me break down the characteristics of an investor and then no matter where you're at you can kind of listen to these and start to identify do you have these characteristics and if you don't here's the good news the good news is all of these characteristics are obtainable so it's like not something that i was born with or something that makes me special but i'm going to share with you uh, what the characteristics are and then i'm going to give you some tips to help you get there so characteristic number one of an investor, and this is probably one of the biggest one, and that is investors are always willing to learn. In, in our society, what we're taught is you kind of go to school for four years, you get your degree, and then boom, that's it. Maybe you're done. But when it comes to becoming an investor, I want you to think about the mindset like this when it, with respect to learning. I want you to think about it like this. Can you imagine in this day and age, if somebody went to school 20 years ago for marketing, they went to school 20 years ago for marketing, and they said, once I get my marketing degree, I am never going to learn anything else about marketing. Why? Because I got my degree, I'm done. 
Well, 20 years ago, Instagram didn't exist. 20 years ago, uh, YouTube didn't exist. 20 years ago, the internet was just in its infancy stages and there was no Google ads and different things like that. And so can you imagine a, a person saying, like, once I get this degree or once I learn this, I'm done. And so an investor understands that learning is like never done. It's like the market is always changing. The vehicle to reach people is always changing. The tactics, the strategies, the core principles may remain the same, but some of the vehicles to get there uh, may change with time, may change with technology. And so that's one of the core principles and characteristics of an investor and having that mindset in its entirety is that you're a person that's always willing to learn. I'll share a quick story with you how learning really got embedded in, in me from a young age. And what I noticed when I was little is that, you know, my dad passed away when I was like one and a half years old due to a car accident. And what I noticed was being raised by a single mother, when I came in contact with people who had two parents or they had, you know, especially a father, I realized immediately that I was at a disadvantage, right? Uh, for example, my best friend, his um, his dad owned businesses. He owned, he was a real estate investor and different things like that. And the reason I say I was at a disadvantage is because, and same thing when I look at my cousin, his, his father it owned his own construction company, was in the real estate. And what happened was, when these guys wanted to know about real estate or investing or running a business, they didn't have to go any further than the living room. Does that make sense? Like they were able to go uh, and speak to their father. Hey, how'd you buy that building? How'd you start your business? And so for me, I realized I was always curious, inquisitive because I didn't have someone like in the same household that I could just walk across the aisle and talk to and say, hey, how do I get involved in the stock market? How do I get involved in real estate? How do I get involved in running a business? And so from a very young age, I was always curious and I was always willing to learn. And one of the models that I live by now, uh, when I see somebody doing something that I'm not doing or maybe doing it on a bigger level than me, you know, some people get online or they hate on you or they leave hateful comments or they're, they're irritated. But one of the things that I adopted at an early age was, what does this person know that I don't know? I always ask that question. Oh, I own real estate. I own apartment buildings. I think, hmm, I looked into that and I couldn't figure out how to make it work. What does this person know that I don't know? And so I want you thinking about that as you look at different industries, as you look at people that are either where you want to be or in industries that you want to be or appear to be having some success. You want to ask yourself, what do they know that I don't know? And, and asking those type of questions will fuel the side of your brain that activates the portion, the characteristics of an investor that's always learning. You're always in learning mode versus saying, I could do that. I'm better than that person. Why not me, et cetera. You want to think about what do they know that I don't know? And then how can I learn that? So let's talk about the second characteristic um, of an investor. They're willing to take on calculated risk for reward. All right. And so we as humans, we take on risk every single day. We get in the car, we drive somewhere. 
We get on the airplane. We, we do things that are risky every day for what type of reward? Well, we take a risk of getting on the plane because the reward is that I'll get there faster. We take the risk of getting in the car knowing there could be an accident. Somebody could be texting and driving and running to you, whatever the case may be. But the reward is like, I don't have to walk. I don't have to stand out here in the cold at the bus stop. Or if you're somewhere hot, you don't have to sweat at the bus stop. You get to ride in air condition. So that is the reward. But when it comes to investing, a lot of people, for whatever reason, get scared about taking risks. And so you have to realize if you're going to be an investor at your core, you have to be willing to take on calculated risk for reward. So let, let me give you an example. And I want to challenge your mindset when you think about taking on risk, because once I reframed how I thought about risk, it, it totally changed how I looked at money. It totally changed how I looked at moving forward with the unknown, so to speak. So I'll give you an example. I remember when I bought my first uh, stock trading course, my first investing course, I spent, it was like $4,500. I know it was over four grand and I didn't have the money at the time. I actually put it on a credit card and you know, what led me to being willing to pay for knowledge kind of goes back to the first story I just told you about not having a dad, not having someone to go to. I knew at an early age I would have to pay for this information because nobody was giving it to me for free. But anyway, when I went and paid for my first investing course, it was like $4,500. I'll never forget. I kind of paused before I paid for it because I had to put it on a credit card. I had to apply. They had like a finance program. And I'll never forget. I was like, what if this doesn't work? And then I said, well, what if it does work? So you always have those two opposing forces on each shoulder. But here's what I said to myself. I always try to say, hey, look at the absolute worst case scenario. And then can you live with that? And if you can live with that, then we got to move forward. And so the worst case scenario was, I was like, if I get these people $4,500, I was like, first of all, they got to be teaching something if they're charging $4,000, $4,000 for it. That's number one. So I started rationalizing with myself. Number two, I said, if I pay this money and I don't learn a thing, I said, at least I'll know what a $4,000 and 500 scam looks like, you know? So like my mindset was like, I'm moving forward regardless. And then the positive that'll come out from that is I'll never get scammed out of 4,500 from a seminar again, because I know exactly what a $4,000 and 500, $4,500 scam looks like. Does that make sense? And so I was looking at the reason to move forward anyway and saying that even if I took a loss, um, it's a win for me. And so that's how investors think. Right. So in the event, um, we'll talk about that in a second, but investors move forward no matter what. And I think about when I bought my first stock, I had like 500 bucks and I bought one share, uh, no, 500 shares of Sprint. It was like a $5 stock for hundred bucks. And so my thought process was like, do I need this 500 to pay rent, pay Cardinal, any of that stuff? And if I didn't, again, I looked at the worst case scenario and I said, if I lose 500 bucks, then I'll learn. I'll take the lesson learned from that and I'll get better. And so I think about people who, you know, are not willing to uh, take a calculated risk or who are still worried about should I pay $100 or $200 for a course or something like that? It's like, while you're sitting on the fence thinking about it, 
Like you could have taken action and started learning from it. And then no matter what, you're going to win from that situation if you go into it with that type of mindset. And so, so the calculator risk is I'm either going to pay this money and get some information from a course, or I'm going to pay this money and I'm going to know exactly what a bad course looks like. So even then I win because now I know what to look for in a good course or in a good coach or in a good teacher. And so if you have that type of mindset when you're investing, whether you're buying a property, you say, hey, if I buy this property and it goes bad, what am I going to do? It's like, well, you know firsthand what a bad property looks like now and what to do the next time. So it's all about having that in those investor characteristics, taking calculated risks uh, for reward and then looking at the situation uh, like you're going to win anyway. And that takes me to my third um, in, uh, investor characteristic or principle. In the event of a loss, that investors look for the lesson inside the financial loss. Most people look at a loss and they say, what? I knew I shouldn't have did this, or I'm stupid, or I knew I wasn't smart enough to get involved with this industry or do this or do that. And that's really not an investor's mindset. Do you think that for GM, Chrysler, Microsoft, do you think they've ever invested in a bad product that never made it to market or never made it to mass production. And they said, well, I guess we should just shut the company down and stop selling computers or stop selling cars because, uh, you know, with GM, we had an, an, an ignition switch problem with one of our cars that, by the way, caused some people to die, um, which was kind of sad. But do you think they stopped making cars? Like, no, they took the lesson, they learned from it, and now they know what a bad ignition switch looks like. Does that make sense? Um, Microsoft, uh, I bet BlackBerry understands, <laughs> you know, we should have gotten involved with those touchscreen phones, right? So my point is, like, the the a loss to an investor and a person who has the investor characteristics, they don't look at the loss like a sign from God that this is not something they should be doing. They look at a loss as a sign that I either need more education. They look at the loss like maybe this was going to be a little bit harder than I thought. So I'm going to have to put a little bit more effort into it. Um, maybe I need a coach. Maybe I need a little bit more training um, or at least we know what not to make or what not to do. But they they they, they look at money and losing money different. And I heard it put this way when I was reading Think and Grow. I think it was in Think and Grow Rich. I think they said that failure is just another way to intelligently begin again. Does that make sense? So when you fail, it doesn't mean stop. It means when you start back up again, you can start up smarter and with knowledge that you didn't have the first time, because at least you tried it, you got a result. And now you can pivot or make the adjustments. And so that leads me to the number four characteristic of an investor. They have the long term vision in their mind. You know, I, I remember thinking about I was somewhere around 18 and I'm like, man, everybody keeps talking about making money from the stock market. You see these these wealthy billionaires. They typically started a company or invested and had some type of investment firm. And so I made up my mind from an early age that like I was going to be in this space or play around in this industry at some point. And so when you're an investor, when you have that mindset or, the, or those characteristics, anything short of the goal, when you got the long term vision in mind, 
anything short of the goal is just a stepping stone on its on your way to get there. Now, let me put it a different way. Let me let me let me think about like um, when you when you think about like the Warren Buffett's of the world, I always use investing analogies because that's the world I'm in. But when you think about the Warren Buffett's of the world, do you think you could interview Warren Buffett today and say, hey, Warren, how did you become a billionaire? He says, you know what? The first stock I bought never sold it. And it just took me to a billion. I've never lost any money. And that's it. I've never been criticized as an investor. Like, no, he probably has tons of bad companies that he bought. But once he drew a line in the sand and said, hey, I'm going to be an investor no matter what, whether he bought a bad company or not, whether one trade worked out for him or not, did not stop him from moving forward. Does that make sense? Like if you were to buy a house and you found out that the roof was leaking and the basement floods, once you get it fixed and let's say you you grow your family or whatever the case may be and you outgrow that house, you don't say I'm never going to buy a house again because the last one we bought was uh, had a, a leaky roof and a basement that was flooding. That was just a stepping stone on your way to your dream house. And so when you look at real estate investors, you look at people who started businesses, companies, typically the company that you see today or typically the success that you see today, I can guarantee you it wasn't their first investment. It wasn't their first company. It wasn't their first real estate development uh product, right? It wasn't their first anything. And I bet you the person that you see today has a good couple of stories where they can tell you that, man, I I got a lawsuit there and um, I bought this property and didn't know it had back taxes or I bought this stock and the company went out of business. Like there is a story on your way to get to where you're going. I heard uh, someone say it like this before. There's no testimony without any test. I'm going to say that again. There's no testimony without any test. And what is going to determine if you're going to be successful or not is what you do when the test comes. What's going to be your testimony? I got tested. Uh, it didn't work out. And I just said, I just I'll never learn how to make have my money work for me or I'll never own a rental property. Is that going to be your testimony or is your testimony going to be? You know what? I was met with adversity. I lost some money. I had to go back to the drawing board. I had to get some more education. I moved forward. I did it again. The second time didn't work quite as well, but it was better than the first time. I came back a third time and then boom, once I did it the third time, I really started to understand X, Y, Z and then boom, we took off from there. But most people quit on time number one, time number two, time number three. And the only reason that they quit, in my opinion, is because they don't have characteristics number four of an investor, which is the long term vision. Let me let me just wrap this up and then I'm going to give you some tips on how to help you get there. Let me wrap this portion of number four up by saying this. If you are going to be a millionaire, if you set it in stone, you say, hey, I am going to be a millionaire. Okay, one million dollars. If you set it in stone that you are going to be a millionaire and you commit to that goal, well, what do you have to do on your way to a million? You think you got to make your first hundred thousand? I think so. You think you got to make your first two hundred thousand, three hundred thousand, four hundred thousand? Absolutely. So anything less than a million dollars 
just means I need more coaching. I might need more training. I might need to reevaluate and come at it a different way. I might need to switch the tactic or the strategy. But when you got that long term vision, anything short of the million is just a stepping stone on your way to get to whatever that number is that you said you were going to get. All right. And so let me give you some tips to help you get there. When I was starting out, I started to think, well, how will I ever get the dream house? How will I ever get the dream car? And most people use where they're born, the color of their skin. Uh, you know, I don't look the par. I don't have any money. They use those things as excuses for not moving towards their goal. And so it'd be like me saying, I don't have a dad, so I'll never be able to invest because my dad didn't teach me that. It's like, no, you got to, if you can't go through the gate, you got to find a way to go around the gate or you got to find a way to tunnel your way up underneath the gate. You have to find a way to get there no matter what. So I want to give you a couple of tips that help me um, on just in my journey. And that still helps me to this day. So the first tip is... Live a lifestyle that is below financial red line. So what is financial red line? That just simply means um, your bills are right here and you, you can't see me pointing because I'm talking into a mic, but the people on Instagram can. Um, but your bills are, are, let's just say your bills are up to um, your neck, but where you make money is up to the top of your head. And so you want to live below financial red line, right? So financial red line is when your bills are above your head and you only make money up to the top of your head, right? So it means like you're drowning, you're completely underwater. And one thing that helped me from that standpoint was I remember using like the 70-30 principle. I said, I will not spend any money or acquire or accumulate any bills or debt that would take more than 70% of my working income when I had a full-time job. I was like, I just won't do it because I always needed or wanted 30% to be able to invest. And so if you make $2,000 a month, I don't know, I'm just using that as an example. Let's just, let's go 50,000. If you make $50,000 a year, you have to find a way, I'm talking about after taxes. So maybe you make 60,000, whatever the case may be, but you have to find a way to live a lifestyle to where 30% of that you can um, invest, you can uh, take risks with that money. Does that make sense? So you can take that money and you can just do some different things with it and not worrying about if it will work out or not. I call it opportunity cash, right? Most people don't have uh, opportunity cash, which means if I came knocking on your door right now and I said, hey, I got a great opportunity for you. It costs $2,000. Most people won't, don't, I wouldn't say won't, they don't even have $2,000 to take advantage of a good opportunity. That's a problem. So don't live your life up to financial red line, live below financial red line, ideally 30% below financial red line. All right. So that's, that's one goal to strive for. So that way you have money for opportunity. Second tip that I want to give you that, that really helped me is factor in time. A lot of people do not factor in time when they're getting into investing or becoming an investor. And so if you've never invested before, never bought real estate, never bought stock, um, you're just completely new to putting money to work for you or running a company. 
I think sometimes we're just so hard on ourselves, and we think if this doesn't work in 30 days, I'm out of here. And it's like, really? You spent, you know, maybe you're 25, maybe you're 30, maybe you're 40. You spent 40 years to get where you're at right now, not investing, right? And you think all it's going to take is 30 days and to turn it all around. And so factor in time. And when you break down, when I say factor in time, here's what I mean by factoring in time, going a little bit more deeper on that topic. You have to factor in the fact that it's going to take you time to actually learn the craft, right? So you have to factor in how long is it going to take me to actually learn the craft? That's number one. That's going to take time, right? You don't go to college and expect to get a four-year degree in the first year. It's going to take time. It takes four years. I heard Eric Thomas say it like this. How many? It takes 21 years to be 21 years old. Right. You, you can't become 21 years old in 18 years. You can't become 21 years old in 16 years. You can't become 21 years old in 20 years. It takes 21 years to be 21 years old. And so there's just some things you're going to have to factor in time for and say, hey, it may take me six to 12 months just to learn it. So if you're just learning, does that necessarily mean you're going to see a profit or you're going to um, make money? No. But most people feel like, well, if it's going to take a year to learn, that's too long. And I'm thinking, that's too long. You you spent four years in college learning without getting, you know, without before you even got paid. But most people aren't willing to put in a year, two years to learn something that can pay them for the lifetime. So number one, factor in the learning curve. Number two, factor in different market conditions. Ask anybody in real estate before 2008 what strategies work. They'd be like, you could just buy anything and make some money. Then what happened? The market crashed. Now, ask the people who invested in real estate between 2008 and 2012. There's two different types of people. When the market crashed, some people got caught with their pants down. But then there was a second group of people that was like, I can get houses for super cheap. And they came and invested. Now, ask those same people what tactics work today in the real estate market now that things have rebounded, now that everybody's not in foreclosure, now that you can't necessarily just pick up any house on the corner for pennies on the dollar. Now, everybody's not the greatest real estate investor anymore. So what's my point? My point is you also have to factor in different market conditions. Same thing with the stock market. When things are roaring, we make a different kind of money when things are ruined. It's like, this is easy. When things take a downturn, it's like, okay, now it may not be about making a lot of money. Maybe it's just about stabilizing, stopping the bleeding, um, making sure you don't lose your account. And then when things turn back around again, it's like, okay, here's the tactics for this current market condition. My point is, what you learn in different time frames will also change because of the different market conditions. And I don't think we factor in time. And so with the stock market, it's like, have you been through a bull market? Have you been through a market correction? Have you been through a bear market? Have you been through a market crash? Those are different scenarios that you're going to have to learn. And sometimes you don't learn them until that time comes, which again, leads you to having a long-term vision and making sure you stay the course and are always learning. And then the third thing is, in order to help you with having an investor mindset and then helping you have those investing characteristics, I think this one is probably missed by most people. And that is, do not come into a new industry, especially investing, no matter what it is, 
and focus on the money. I think that's the biggest mistake that most people make. They come into an industry and they say, how much money can I make? No, 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 no. The money is always there once you become a professional, once you become good at the skill. So what is the skill? If you take real estate, for example, is the goal to come in and like, I just want to make a ton of money or is the goal to find undervalued properties that you can either wholesale or properties that you can fix up and in a neighborhood that once you're done fixing up, you can sell for a profit. So the skill is finding those undervalued properties. The skill is knowing how much it costs to fix one up. You master that, the money's going to follow. You think about the stock market. The skill is not to log onto a computer and make a bunch of money. That's not what you want to get good at. What you want to get good at mastering is knowing what a good company looks like, knowing what a bad company looks like. Okay, how do I make money from a bad company falling? How do I, what strategies, what options, what can I do when it's falling to make, you know, to number one, spot it, and then number two, take advantage of it. Same thing goes with if the market is going up. The goal is to be get, to get good at reading stock charts, to get good at determining when does a company start to move higher? What type of news drives these companies higher? What does the seat, when every time the CEO says this or the Fed chairman say, says this, this is what makes the market move in a positive way or in a negative way. That is the skill. The skill is not waking up every day figuring out how can you make a bunch of money. And so as an investor, you're always looking, or should I say, when you have the investor characteristics, right? The characteristics is always looking to ask yourself, what skill do I have to master? And that is the key, figuring out what skill you have to master, not how much money you can make. You focus on trying to make money, and I guarantee you it's not going to work out at, at all. You think about winning the Super Bowl or winning the NBA championship, they don't go in and focus on how can we get the, the, the championship? They go in and say, I need to be the best free throw shooter because typically these games are decided by a free throw. I need to hit the treadmill because I need to be able to run up and down the court. Those are the skills that you need to focus on, not necessarily the championship, the money. That stuff comes after you've mastered the skill. And then the fourth tip I want to give you is get coaching and mentoring. Um, and, and not just get coaching and mentoring. I want to talk about one of the things that helped me was I always had a budget for coaching and mentoring. So most people, what's interesting about you know people is that they have a budget for Christmas shopping. They have a budget for like getting that big screen TV. Like they got a budget for a lot of things that don't actually improve their life from a mindset standpoint. It doesn't improve their skills. It doesn't help them make money. I think it's very interesting. We have in our willingness set budgets for weddings. It's just one day, but we will blow the budget for what we won't only set the budget. We'll set it and blow it. Right. And we'll be it's, it's one day. Um, you know, this is my special day. And I'm thinking that's interesting. You're willing to set a budget and blow it for one day, but you're not willing to set a budget for the rest of your life. You're not willing to invest in something that can help you and change your life forever. And here's one thing I know about weddings, vacations, is that they may be one day, they may be one week, 
But I can guarantee you, if the good Lord lets you live long enough, you are going to spend more years living or in retirement than you are going to be compared to that one day that you were willing to set aside the money. You were willing to plan six months for the perfect vacation, a year for the perfect wedding. But when it comes to getting coaching and mentoring for investing in the stock market, we typically don't have a budget for that. It's like, how much do you pay a year for mentors? Most people are like, I would, I don't know. I don't pay anything for a mentor. Like they should just mentor me for free. It's like mm, down here on planet earth, people want to get paid. Number one, not necessarily always for their knowledge. People are willing to share their knowledge, but guess what? You're asking them for their time. Okay. That's the most important and precious commodity that we have that we can never get back. And most people don't even have a budget for buying someone's time. Does that make sense? Like you you need to have a budget to go to a conference, to buy a course, to, you know, if Warren Buffett said, hey, you can sit down with me, but look, I, I'm pressed for time in order for me to get a plane ticket, fly there, I do it for a thousand dollars. You wouldn't say, man, I can't believe Warren is only charging a thousand bucks to teach how to invest or, you know, all the money he has. How come he can't just come and, and, and give me this tutorial for free? The reality is you'd be like, I got to find this thousand dollars so I can sit down with Warren Buffett. And the sad part is most people wouldn't have the emergency one thousand dollars for that opportunity. Most people wouldn't have the thousand dollars to sit down with Warren Buffett because you've never been taught the characteristics of an investor. And that is having a budget for coaching for mentoring, for courses, paying for somebody's time to minimize the learning curve, to shorten the learning process, paying a thousand, two thousand dollars so that you don't make a ten thousand dollar mistake. And so I would say factor in a budget for learning, because then when you're faced with, do I buy this course? Do I invest in this mentor? Do I go to this seminar? You don't have to go to your wife or your husband and say, you know, what do you think? Can we take the money from you already have a budget allocated and you can say, hey, I spend a thousand dollars a year on personal development, on improving myself, on learning, on courses, on hiring a coach, whatever that may be. You have that budget to spend it without any regrets. And more importantly, you have that budget to spend it without second guessing or second thinking yourself. So uh, as we wrap up, I want you to ask yourself, are you an investor or are you investing? Investing is a one time act uh, and that comes and goes. But when you are an investor, you have the characteristics of always learning. You're willing to take calculated risk for reward. Your mindset about losing money is that it's never a loss because you learned a lesson from it. And then finally, you have the long-term vision and that anything that happens before you attain that goal is just a stepping stone until you get there. There's no, t there's no testimony without a test. So thanks for listening to the Money Markets and Mindset podcast. If you're not subscribed to us in iTunes, uh, go in there, hit the subscribe button so you can get notified when we release new episodes. If you're on Stitcher Radio, you can subscribe if you're using Android. Um, and if you're not following me on Instagram, uh, again, I'm doing this one live. So the people on Instagram get to see the behind the scenes. Uh, follow me on Instagram at Brown Report. If you got any questions about the stock market, how to get started, or just mindset and period, any hurdle that I can help you overcome just from a mindset standpoint, 
I'd love to hear from you. Shoot me a direct message. Shoot us an email because I feel as being an inner city kid that grew up in Detroit without a father, I got some things I could teach you or at least share with you about how I overcame not having anybody to go to to talk to about the stock market, how I overcame not growing up with a trust fund or having uh, any money handed down to me. There are some real principles and things like we laid out in this episode that you can do so that you can uh, be a victor and not a victim. I'll see you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Money, Markets and Mindset podcast. We hope this episode has been educational and inspirational. To learn more about how to have your money work for you inside the stock market, visit www.thebrownreport.com.